Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm 34. Psalm chapter 34. I like that song we just sang. That's a good song. Uh, especially like that phrase that says, uh, uh, thou, thou, uh, thou God are not like man untrue. That's not the exact words, but uh, I'm thankful I serve a God who's true, who's faithful, who never lies, and we can always depend upon and trust in. Amen? All right. Amen. All right, I just had you, just checking with you folks. <laughs> all right, Psalm 34, let's all stand together if you would. Psalm 34. And we'll re start off with the first three verses and then go to prayer and get right into the message. Verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to gather together this morning. We're thankful for the freedom we have in this land to be able to do so. Help us to be uh, good stewards of that freedom and exercise it every opportunity we get. Oh, Lord, uh, thank you for your word, and thank you for the way that you can encourage us and strengthen us and rebuke us when it's necessary. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, I am so thankful when I get up to preach that uh, I don't need to know all of the problems and all of the conditions and all of the circumstances and situations that are going on in hearts and lives because you do. And you take that book and you minister those words uh, and, uh, Lord, that comfort and that help and that rebuke, Lord, you, you, you minister it to us individually as we hear the word of God. I pray that you do that this morning. May you be here in power. May you be here in strength. I pray that you give us ears to hear. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would have your will and your way in our hearts and lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This psalm it was written when, when uh, David went to the Philistines in Gath, and uh, he feigned madness. Uh, he, he faked it. Uh, basically, he lied to them is what he did. One of the things I appreciate about our God is that uh, whenever we, when we try to do something right and we don't do it right, but, uh, we, but our heart's in the right spot, he honors that. He blesses that. And uh, not, not that we're ever supposed to do wrong, not that we're ever supposed to be careless. None of those things are true. But I'm glad I've got a God who understands what he's working with. Amen? And uh, he knows that we're dust. And he, he knows uh, that, uh, that, that, we, that we struggle and that we stumble. And that's what David did. Yet, uh, you read this psalm, and this psalm is a psalm of victory. Now, he... he uh, this Psalm and also Psalm 56 were both written under the same circumstances. Psalm 56 was written when he went into Gath, and before he went to Gath. And then Psalm uh, 34 is written afterwards. It's, a, it's, a, it's really a, a Psalm of praise and blessing. 
Um, the king's name, if you, if you look at the beginning of the psalm, just above in your King James Bible, it says the psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Now, the, the king's name was Achish. But Abimelech was a title that was used. Abimelech was used like, like the, uh, name, like the uh, title Caesar or like the title Pharaoh. Okay, And uh, so David uh, had just come back from confronting, confronting Abimelech. And uh, this, is a, this is a psalm of, of praise. He was in trouble. He was in, he was in deep trouble. He was being chased by Saul. He couldn't find anybody to take him in. Uh, nobody wanted to have anything to do with him uh, because the king was so upset with him, thought that he was threatening the throne. That was not the case. The, case, the truth of the matter is the very best friend that Saul ever had was David. Uh, he, was, he was true. He was, he was a good friend. He was loyal to the king. And, and yet the king did not look at it that way, and he tried he, he misunderstood and tried to, ki tried to kill him. He spent uh, time during this time in a cave, and he, he attracted other troubled men. Uh, 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2 talk about the fact that they were distressed, they were in debt, and they were discontented men. And that was his motley crew. That was his band that he was traveling with. He, he was shut out from the help of man and had to learn how to depend upon God. And what we see in this, in this psalm are the lessons that David learned, the attitudes that he understood that were essential for when he, when he went through trouble. Um, you know, we're, we're going through a perplexing time, to say the least, right now with the pandemic going on. Um, I, have, I, I have made this comment, and, and I think many of you have made the same comment. Uh, we've, we've said things along the lines of, you know, I, I, when we're done with this thing, we may not have the America that we were brought up in. And uh, because of that, uh, I feel sorry for my children and my grandchildren. Uh, God showed me something this week that I think we need to consider. Uh, you look at David. David was very troubled. Uh, David did right, and yet David w w spent... Uh, quite a few years, we don't know exactly how many, but it could be as many as 10 years, he spent running from King Saul. And uh, you look at that and you say, wow, I mean, this is a guy who did right, who, who slew Goliath. He was faithful, and yet he still, he still went through all that trouble. But also remember this, that those years in the wilderness when he was fleeing from Saul were also the years that God used to, to, to teach him how to depend upon him. They're, they're years that God used to, to knock off the rough edges off of David because he had something planned for him. So remember that the next time you say, well, you know, I, I feel for my kids and my grandkids. Well, maybe God's got something planned for, for our, our children and for our grandchildren. Maybe there's something ahead that they need the trouble in order to prepare them to have the right attitude about their God. And that's, that's one of the things that, that is really bothering me about this time is not so much the lost. I expect the lost to, to respond the way that they They're scared to death. 
Let me tell you something, though, folks. We don't need to be scared to death. We have a God. And we have a God in heaven who will watch over us, who will protect us. And, and this psalm really lifts up the fact that, that we have a God that we can trust and depend upon. Uh, don't, don't, you know, don't forget who David was. He was, he was God's anointed. He was, he was anointed uh, in his father's house to be uh, the next king of Israel. And yet it took, you know, as I said, it took 10 plus years in order to get him from his father's house into that position of being the king. And then he was, he was only king uh, over, over a small part of Israel, and then, then later he was a king over the entire nation. But, but the, the point is, is that God used this time to train him, and this, God used this time to, uh, uh, to be able to uh, get his attitudes and his dependence upon God where they needed to be. So what we're going to look at is, is four, four lessons or four attitudes that God uh, taught to David uh, during, during this time of trouble and difficulty. In the first, first three verses, what, what he learned was, is he learned that he needed to bless the Lord. And he learned to praise the Lord at all times. Not just, not just when things were going smooth, not when uh, there were no bumps in the road, but even at times when his own life was in danger, he learned to how to praise the Lord. God will put us in, in situations to see what we value the most. He'll put us in difficulties, and he's done that. <laughs> he's done that recently. We, we have been in situations, honestly, I've been in situations, and I've had to, to uh, make decisions like I've never had to make before in my entire life during these last few months. But understand that one of the reasons why God puts us in that kind of a situation, and I believe he's doing that. You know, you say, well, I think it's, it's judgment on America. It might be. But may I also say this, that, that uh, in, in, in any time you take a look at the nation of Israel, uh, when, when, uh, when the nation of Israel was doing wrong and heading in the wrong direction, God always had a remnant of people. You know what? I want to be part of that remnant. I want to be part of that remnant. I want to be part of the group of folks in America that wants to do right. And uh, God allows us to go through those things along with everyone else because he, he, wants us to, he wants to see what we value the most. Do we value the blessings or do we value the blesser? You know, is our, is our, uh, is our trust and, our, and our, our hearts and our values uh, anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ? The practice of blessing God at all times will give you an even temperament. You know, we've said this. We've, again, these are things that I'm sure all of us have said at one time or another here in the past few months. We said, you know, nerves are on a, a ragged edge and uh, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better and all that kind of stuff. Can I tell you what, what blessing God on a continual basis does for you? It gives you an even temperament. It, it, uh, it is a, it, it is a uh, deterrent against an angry spirit. Hard to be angry when you're praising God and you're blessing him and you're looking for ways that you can be a blessing to God. 
And you're looking for ways that, that you can honor and you can please him. Uh, there's, there's three ways in this passage that it says that we need, to, we need to learn how to bless God. First, in verse 2, it says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. It says, it says that he boasted in the Lord. To boast in the Lord means to brag about him. Brag about what he does. Now, you've got to be humble. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes, well, we haven't done it recently because of the pandemic, but uh, we have had uh, testimonies often on Sunday nights. And uh, when we have testimonies, I always, I always caution folks, uh, when you're given a testimony, make sure that uh, it's, it's bragging on him and not bragging on yourself or bragging on your circumstances, or bragging on your situation. Make sure that it, that is, is a time when you are boasting in, in the Lord. Um, you've heard me talk about, about uh, a man in history by the name of Duncan Dunbar. Duncan Dunbar was, I found out about him through Brother Faggart, and he was a, a, a Scotsman who eventually came to America. He, um, he pastored a church at least one church up in Maine, and then he also pastored down in New York City. But he took his whole family, put him, put him on a ship, and uh, set out to come to America. When, there were all kinds of problems and troubles that, that hit, hit that ship as they were traveling. But one, one, of the, uh, his, one of his daughters wrote about a night where there was a horrible, terrible storm. And uh, the ship was being tossed back and forth. And, and it, it's, it says, uh, uh, this, is, this is the daughter speaking. She says, at daylight, our father went on deck to learn the cause of the trouble. He soon returned saying to mother, oh, my dear, I wish you were able to go on deck for one moment. But as you are not, I must take the children up one at a time that they may see the wonderful works of, of the Almighty God. They will never forget this sight. He then took me, this is the daughter, in, in his arms to the top of the cabin stairs. We were in a tremendous gale. The waves covered with white, boiling foam seemed higher than our mastheads, and the roar of the ocean was truly awful. The, the laboring ship mounted a tremendous wave and, and then went down as if to be swallowed by the angry sea. But soon she rose again on another wave and then sank to rise again and again. I instinctively turned away and grasping my father around the neck implored him to take me down to mother. I was so terrified that he did not think it best to take my little sisters on deck. I remember while he stood there with me in his arms, as I turned from the sight, he urged me to look at the sea, saying, see what a powerful God our God is. He, he who can uh, make these waves and keep them within their bounds can prevent their, their dashing our weak vessel to pieces, and if he chooses, he can say to them at any, at any moment, peace be still, and they will all sink away and lie quiet around us. What, what did, what did uh, Duncan Dunbar do when there was trouble? Instead of focusing on the trouble with his kids and with his wife, 
He focused on the majesty of God. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, they made it through that storm. They made it through a lot of other troubles and trials on that, on that voyage. And uh, uh, he, I believe one of the reasons why is because he gave all the credit and he gave all the glory to his Lord. And he used that as an opportunity to boast on God. Uh, the second thing that it, it tells us we need to do is to magnify the Lord. Look in verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It says to magnify the Lord. Magnify just means to make much of him and do so to others. Let other folks know the wonderful God that you serve. Let other folks know how good he has been to you personally. Make him big in the sight of others. That's what the word magnify means. It means to make big. And, and uh, we need to give him credit when, when, uh, when good things happen in our life, don't you take credit for it. Turn around and deflect that praise and give it to God. And let, let, God, let other folks know that you serve a God that's worth serving. Then, then the third thing, it's, said, it's uh, stated in the end of verse 3. It says, and let us exalt his name together. Exalt the Lord. That means to lift up his name. Uh, he's my protector. He's my provider. He's my shield. He's my defense. He's my wisdom. And uh, approach him with, with the idea that you trust him. You rely on him. You need him desperately in those areas. Then the second attitude that he learned was not only to bless the Lord, but look down in verses four through eight. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamp encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver delivereth them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Second thing they said he learned was to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And again, not his blessings, not even just his help, but him. Seek him. Get to, get to know him and to get close to him. Uh, James chapter, chapter 5 and verse 8 says that we are the ones that need to take the initiative. It says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Who does the drawing nigh first? We do. We, we need to seek him. We need to draw nigh to him. And when we do so, he'll draw nigh to us. Uh, take your Bibles, keep your finger here, and go to 1 Peter chapter 2. One of the places that we seek the Lord is in his word. And, and he reveals himself to us through scripture. In, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, Look down at verses 1 through 3. It says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Uh, how, do, how do we taste the graciousness of the Lord? Well, one of the ways we do that is by coming to the Word of God and seeking Him in Scripture. But the Bible says we need to, to lay aside some things in order to get what God wants us to have. 
if there's any malice, if there's any guile, if there's any hypocrisies, if there's any envies, if there's any kind of evil speakings, we need to repent of that. We need to turn from it and then come and seek the Lord in the Word of God. And we need to be serious about it. You know, think, think about this. How, how serious uh, are you about seeking God on a daily basis? How serious are you? Um, you know, do, what, th think of it this way. Let's, let's just say for a moment, and this is definitely hypothetical, uh, but let's say I had five $1,000 bills. And I hid them, I hid uh, all five of them, somewhere in this building and in the blue building. And I let you know that they are available to the first person who finds them. And if you find one of them, you get to keep it. If you find two of them, three, four, maybe if you find all five, they are yours, no strings attached. Now, how do you think you'd be looking for them as soon as I dismissed you to go? Do you think you'd be, oh, well, I guess I'll kind of look around a little bit. No, man, you'd be tearing this place, these two places apart looking for those $1,000 bills. Why? Because you're serious about it. Because you really desire that. Understand this, that a relationship with your God is worth much more than any money anybody could ever give to you. That is the most important and valuable asset that you and I have, is our relationship with our God. And we need to be serious about it. And God says that we are the ones that need to seek the Lord. Uh, God's response when we do seek him is that he delivers us from all our fears. Look down in verse 4. It says, I, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Again, this is after he went to Gath. So he's praising the Lord, Lord that the Lord took care of him. Uh, he delivers us from all of our fears. He saves us, according to verse 6, he saves us out of all of our troubles. And then according to verse 7, if you look down with me, it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. And it's, it says that he protects us and he secures us. But our responsibility is to seek him. We need to bless him. We need to seek him. And then verses 9 through 16 says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for the, there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, you children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. It tells us that we need to, we need to fear the Lord. And in verse, verse 11, he says this. He says, Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And then he gives us some things that we need to be mindful of in order for us to learn how to fear God. Look down in verse 12. 
says, What man is, is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? We ought to have a desire to do good. We ought to have a desire to do right. You know, do you desire God's will? Uh, do you want to please the Lord in all things? Do you want to make sure that you are right smack dab in the middle of the will of God? And are there times throughout this last week when you just delighted in your God? You know, you just, you just spent some time private, alone, and just got excited about the fact that you serve the Lord. And that, that he is your God. It might have been in a time of prayer where you just praised him and, and thanked him for who he was. By the way, one of the things that we ought to be doing whenever we pray is to spend some time telling God what we think of him. Telling God how much we love him. You know, in our family, we've, we, we, uh, we really, really, really make it a habit to let each other know in our family that, uh, that we love each other. Uh, just about every time uh, that I'm on the phone with one of the boys, uh, before we hang up, uh, I, either I say it first or he says it first, but one of us will say, I love you, and uh, then we'll hang up the phone. Uh, when was the last time you said that to God? When was the last time you just let God know that you love him and you're so, so thankful for the fact that he is your God? Another thing that, that teaches us to fear the Lord, down in verse 13, says, keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. And by the way, if, if, you, if you really fear the Lord, you're not going to want your tongue to be used in an inappropriate way. The Bible tells us that uh, he that bridleth the tongue can control the entire body. Our whole body can be controlled if we just have control of the tongue. If we allow God to have that, that control. Um, we, we need to have a desire to speak what's right. We, we need to not speak evil or guile. Guile is just simply, simply deceit. Uh, God tells us that we need to be careful about the things that we say. Then down in verse, verse uh, 14, says, uh, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Well, to depart from evil and do good. In other words, just do what's right. You know what's right. You know what's good. You know what honors God. All right, then do it and, and uh, realize that if we don't do it, we have, a, we have a, a God that we need to fear because we've done that which is wrong and, and not pleasing in his sight. Then the, the next thing it says, in, uh, and also in verse 14, is to seek peace. And again, seeking peace is, is uh, not looking for other people to change. But seeking peace is looking for yourself to change. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that in verses 1, 2, and 3, it gives us some attitudes that we have to have. If we don't have those attitudes, there will not be peace. There will not be unity among the brethren. And the, the way that we get that peace and the way we get that unity is by having the right attitudes ourselves. And again... Uh, if you don't have a, a humble attitude before God, you know, I quoted the verse a moment ago, uh, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. But in that same context, it talks about the fact that we need to humble ourselves before our God. By the way, if you're not humble before God, you're not going to uh, draw nigh to God. You're not going to have a desire to want to get close to him and get to know him better. And uh, the Bible says that we need, to, we need to seek peace. We need to pursue it. 
Uh, then in verses 15 and 16, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Uh, no, the last thing we need to understand when it comes to the fear of the Lord is that the, the Lord sees all, and, and he'll act accordingly. God doesn't miss a lick. Okay, God doesn't miss a thing. And uh, we need to learn to cry out to him and realize that, that we have, a, we have a, an absolute dependence upon our God. Uh, verse 15 tells us that his eyes and ears are attuned to the righteous. Verse 16 says God's face is against those who do evil. So it's pretty plain. If you fear the Lord and do right, his face is towards you. If you do not fear the Lord and you do not do right, then his face is against us. We need to make sure we're on the right side. We need to make sure that, that we are living a life that's pleasing to him because we fear the Lord. And then the, the, last, the last thing that David learned, look down at verse 17 through the end of the chapter. It says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate." Uh, the last thing that, that he tells us to do is just simply trust the Lord. Uh, a godly life doesn't exempt us from trouble. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you have, you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, there's come a time in your life when you realize that you're a sinner. You realize that because of your sins, uh, you deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. The Bible teaches the basic principle is the wages of sin is death. And, but it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's so important to understand that it is a gift. In other words, there's nothing you and I can do. Uh, there's nothing we can do to earn eternal life. There's nothing we can do to, to, uh, to accept eternal life other than trust Jesus Christ and him alone as Savior. The Bible says it's not of works which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's important to first be saved, to have called out to the Lord and asked him to, to save you and forgive you all your sins and give you eternal life. Once a person's saved, though, sometimes we've got this, this thought, this notion, this idea that uh, because I'm saved, if I'm doing right, there will be no trouble in my life. That's not the case at all. In fact, the, the Bible talks about in, in this in this passage, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Look down in verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. In other words, God's watching over you. He'll take care of you, but you're still going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. And he calls it afflictions. Afflictions are simply a state of pain, distress, or grief. It could be sickness. It could be personal loss. It could be a calamity. It could be adversity. It could be persecution. 
But, but, but the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, the more we try to serve God, the more opposition we're going to get. Well, that shouldn't surprise us. That really shouldn't, shouldn't uh, take us by surprise. But we need to understand that what, what that, what that, the purpose of that taking place in our life is so that we can learn to trust the Lord. And verse 18 says, uh, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. It says, he is near us when our heart is broken. He is near us when we have a, a contrite spirit, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Thou wilt not despise, O Lord, the scripture says, and it's absolutely necessary. Down in verse 22, it says, The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. If, if you serve the Lord, and if your heart is with the Lord, and you have a desire to please the Lord, God will take care of you. Now, it doesn't mean that he'll, he'll necessarily take care of you in the way that you think he should take care of you, but he will watch over you, and he will, he will have his hand upon you. Uh, he, he won't desert you and he won't deprive you uh, because we have a God that we can trust. I was talking uh, a moment ago about uh, the illustration about uh, uh, Duncan Dunbar uh, on, that, on that ship when he was heading for the mission field. And uh, when, when he was on the ship, another thing that happened is uh, the ship sprang a leak and uh, the, the men passengers took turns at, at pumping the ship out of the water that was, that was flooding into the ship. All of a sudden, the leak stopped. Just, just quit. There was no more leak anymore. So the sailors got in a boat and uh, they, they surveyed the hull of the ship. What they found was they found that the ship was covered with barnacles. Barnacles had come and had rested upon the hull of the ship, and it ended up sealing that, that very hole. And uh, uh, it was like, a, it was like described as like a coat of mail forming a mass impervious to water uh, that, was, that was around it. Dunbar showed that, that, that the barnacles to, the, to his children, and, and he told them this. He said, you see how God can bring his own carpenters and ship joiners across the ocean with him and how he can make them work without even the sound of a hammer or a broad axe. This shows that God means to save us from the angry sea. What he said was, he said, listen, there's another example. Here's another case where God's just proven himself to be faithful. Listen, all of us have examples like that. It might not be quite that dramatic, but we all have examples of how God has taken care of us, how God has watched over us. Listen, if, if, if nothing else, and I have much more, more than just this, but if nothing else, I can say, my God is faithful and I can trust him because he saved my soul. He, he gave me eternal life. He forgave me of all my sins. When I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell, and I repented of my sin and trusted Jesus Christ and him alone as my savior. The moment I did that, he forgave all of my sin. He forgave my past sins, my present sins, my future sin. All of them are underneath the blood of Christ. And from that day forward, I knew that I had eternal life. 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, 1 John 5 says, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of, of, the, of the Son of God. Um, God is a God that we can trust. If, if, you, if you're here this morning and you're not absolutely positive that if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven, you're, you're not absolutely sure of that thing, uh, let me point you to a God who can take care of all your sins. He can take care of the sins you've, you have committed. He can take care of the sins you, you've committed presently. And he can take care of the sins you haven't even committed yet. And he can forgive all of them. He can throw them as far as the east is to the west. And he can give you eternal life and make you his child. And he's willing to do that if you just repent and put all your faith and all your trust in him. What did David learn during, during this time? Well, he learned four things. He learned, first of all, he needs to bless the Lord. And you know what? That really shouldn't be hard for us to do. It, it ought, to be, ought to be easy for us to boast in our God and praise our God because he's done so much for us. Then to seek the Lord. Again, that's our responsibility. We're to draw nigh to God first, and then he'll draw nigh to us. Then we need to fear the Lord. Knowing that, that, yes, he's a God to be loved, but he's also a God to be feared. And by the way, those two things need to walk hand in hand. You know, you, you, you look at David. David talked a lot about the fear of the Lord, but he also talked a lot about the love of the Lord. He loved God and he feared God, both at the same time. If you fear the Lord and don't love the Lord, you have an oppressive relationship. And if you love the Lord, but don't fear the Lord, you have a loosey-goosey relationship, which, which uh, does not honor and glorify him. And it, it causes you not to be careful about your life and careful about your sin. And so we need to fear the Lord. And then, then last of all, we need to trust him. Why? Because he's worthy to be trusted. You might be going through some things. I don't know what everybody's going through with this coronavirus. And I know there's, there's folks that are, have gone through some, some uh, um, economic uh, squeezes because of the coronavirus. I just heard statistic just this week that they say that 60%, uh, and this is nationwide, <clears throat> but the, the online uh, service Yelp did a, did a survey and found that 60% of the uh, restaurants nationwide that were in existence in January either already are or will be out of business. Uh, you say, man, that's terrible. Yeah, it is terrible, but let me, let, me, let me tell you something. There is a God that you can trust no matter what your problem is, no matter what your, your difficulty is, you come to him and he'll take care of you every single time, just like he took care of David. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful that we have a God we can, we can bless, we can boast on, we can trust in you. We can, we can fear you, we can love you, we can seek you. And uh, God, I pray that you'd help us to see how important it is for us to learn those things during these times. These times can be tough. These times can be awful frustrating, especially when there's inconsistencies and especially when there's hypocrisies. And we look at all that stuff, but sometimes we look at that stuff more than we look at our God. We start to focus 
on the situation instead of the God who can take care of us through the situation. Lord, forgive us when we get like that. Uh, Lord, help us to, to really determine to seek you and to get close to you during this time. I pray that you'd work on hearts this morning. Father, if there's, there's anything in our hearts that would cause us not to be close to you, if there's anything in our hearts that would cause us not to learn the things that you want to teach us during this time, maybe we're spending more of our time griping and complaining than we are blessing the Lord. We, we, you know, we, we, have a, we have a God worthy to be served. We have a God worthy of praise. There might be someone here this morning who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. If they were to die today, they don't know for sure that they, they go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus. God, I pray that this might be the day of their salvation. I pray as soon as we begin the invitation, they might come forward, take my hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. And we'll have someone take the word of God and show them from the book how they can know for sure that their sins are forgiven. Father, I pray that you, you would bless and honor this time together in, in invitation. Speak to hearts. And Lord, may we be obedient to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.